I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Motorsport Magazine for the very best in motor racing. Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another Motorsport Magazine podcast. Well, what a week, what a month, what a year, what a season. The month of July, three Grand Prix this month, uh, one to come obviously, and uh, some fantastic MotoGP GP racing. Uh, it's all happening this year, it's wonderful. And uh, with me are the usual suspects, our editor, Damien Smith, our editor-in-chief, Nigel Roebuck, and our associate editor, Ed Foster. What a, what a line-up, eh? Um, before we get into uh, all the news and all the gossip, I must tell you about our new subscription offer. In the UK, it's £46 for one year. Overseas, it's £64 for one year. And in the United States, it's $75. This is very good value, as you probably realise. Uh, but not only that, you get a free copy of Haynes' great cars, the Jaguar E-Type, a celebration of the world's favourite 60s icon by Nigel Thorley. My father had an E-Type Jaguar. Great car. Anyway, except he used to complain that uh, when we were in Italy, the Ferraris were always faster, but uh, I digress. Nigel Roebuck, let's start with you, uh, our Grand Prix veteran, because there's a lot going on, isn't there? And... Um, if we just uh, cast our minds back to the Nürburgring, the new one, that is, um, we saw Hamilton at his absolute best, didn't we? Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely no question about it. it, it it's, it's strange at the moment, isn't it? It's, it's um, how the, the fortunes of a team can change yeah. abruptly. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, you can, I can remember in, uh, at Silverstone, for instance, when Martin Whitmarsh was obviously a little bit, you know, beleaguered. Um, and I thought it was all a bit over the top at Silverstone. It wasn't as though they were, you know, halfway down the grid or anything. I mean, they were, you know, Jensen was fifth and Lewis was, was tenth. But there sure. was a reason why Lewis was that far back. But it was all, uh, in the minds of a lot of people, you know, this is, this is a crisis, you know. And is Lewis going to stay? And is Whitmarsh going to lose his <laughs> job? And all you think, Jesus, what? Two races ago, you know, Jensen won yeah. in Montreal. So it's amazing how it can change yep. literally from weekend to weekend, and you can be nowhere one weekend. Yep. And McLaren were okay at Silverstone, uh, but, you know, two weeks later yep. at, uh, at the Nürburgring, you know, uh, Lewis, Lewis won. So what it, I think it's exacerbated by the absence of testing that um, teams... Are obviously working on uh, on you know um, aero updates and other updates, but aero updates particularly all the time, mm. and they bring them to a race and they may work. Now Ferrari brought a, a 
package of things to Silverstone, and they worked a treat. And the car was, you know, as we saw, super competitive. They brought uh, some things to uh, to the Nebo ring as well, and the drivers tried them on Friday and thought, no, no. So, whereas McLaren turned up with new stuff at the Nebo ring, and it was just a ticket. Yep. So it, it it literally is as sort of delicate as that. You can be well, you can be you are at the mercy of what, you know what the factory is producing at any given time. Damien, I mean, Red Bull appear to be off the pace, but there again, it could all change. It could, yeah. I mean, uh, certainly not in qualifying, they're not off the pace, but um, in, uh, in in race conditions, they they were they were definitely second best at least. Um, but yeah, who was it who originally said you're only as good as your last race? I wonder, because it's uh, at the moment it's a good phrase, isn't it? It's probably Nuvolari. But yeah, it is a good phrase, and yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a bit yeah. like you're only as good as your last podcast, aren't you? Really, that's yeah. true. Well, that is, we're always under pressure, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the thing that it also reminds me a little bit of is the tire wall years, in the sense that you go to a circuit and you wouldn't really know what the form book was going to be until you worked out whether Michelin or Bridgestone yeah. were going to be better that weekend, and that's the closest we get to that kind of scenario I think that uh, at the moment it's great it's just, it's it's going backwards and forwards yeah. and it's um, incredible that we've got this situation where Vettel's still got this huge lead but you can't say this season's been dull by yeah. any stretch of the imagination and, uh, it's been, no, yeah, the races individually have been really interesting and really good yeah, yeah. we've seen it with the BBC coverage you know their viewing figures have gone through the roof this year mm-hmm. and even though there's a German leading the world championship by 77 points I think it is they don't seem to care you know, it's it's just um, this has been some really good racing. Yeah, you never quite know what's going to happen next. Which I know, is I don't think, actually, the curious thing, just while you're saying that, that is true. But uh, I was quite surprised at the weekend to uh, learn from a couple of Italian uh, friends that they've gone in the other direction in Italy. Hmm. I suppose possibly because Ferrari haven't been until very recently haven't hmm. really been hmm. there. Um, but also, there is apparently an acute distaste in Italy for the DRS. And, uh, really? You know, yeah. It's not like the Italians to complain, is it? Well, no, I'm sure the DRS were, you know, were enabling Alonso to win every four. They were probably yeah. quite happy with it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but apparently, that, that, that there is a sort of strong uh, feeling in Italy. That it's, but, it's a little bit cool and a little bit gimmicky. Yeah, I mean, when I, uh, I lived there for a couple of years and they didn't really care who was driving it was always either Ferrari won or Ferrari didn't win yeah. I always found that fascinating when yeah. you know the, the British certainly you know they'll support a driver you know you never see people sort of supporting McLaren per se it's usually Lewis or Jensen yeah. um, and in Italy it was just totally opposite and I think that might have changed a bit with Fernando Alonso because he is you know he's he's just a perfect Ferrari driver but uh, I always found that yeah very interesting but they, they are I mean Stefano Domenicali lives you know, in constant pressure from the Italian press. And I think there's some fact that the, there is only one or two days a year when the Ferrari Formula One team is not in the national media. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. And um, we should mention at this point as well that we will be taking uh, your questions, that's you, our readers and our listeners, hopefully, uh, a little bit later on. Oh, well, I thought the best moment by far of the whole German Grand Prix weekend was David Coulthard losing control of the oh, pr- I, probably I, the most valuable racing car in the entire world. <laughs> you didn't see that? Oh no, I, I heard something about it. What is it? Was it? Was it? Was he driving the one nine six? Yeah, he was trying to overtake Mika Hakkinen. Something he perhaps quite he often 
didn't do. Trying to do. <laughs> Sorry, easy. We're trying to be careful here, but we're not succeeding. <laughs> anyway, um, on we go. Just a, another brief word, maybe, on the German Grand Prix. Um, what is odd about it to me, Nigel, is that um, the development race between races, and usually there's two weeks as opposed to one week this week, seems to be almost as important, if not more important, than the actual race itself. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I know what you. I think I know what you're uh, what you're getting at. I mean, there is. Um, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Fridays, you know, when they first start to go, when they start first start to go quickly, um, there is an awful lot to keep your eye on because, you know, you don't really know what to expect. No. Um, and we we all went to Germany. Fairly confident that McLaren would have come up with something um, since Silverstone that was going to, you know, going to improve things, but it wasn't guaranteed. As it happened, it very much did. Um, I mean, you know, Hamilton was was literally stunned by how quick the car was. I mean, he, he didn't arrive in a particularly positive frame of mind at all. And Button was equally stunned by how slow his car was, presumably. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's, it's 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 an odd thing. Um, you know, there were weekends in the Braun days, when, particularly in the second half of that season, when Jensen had a real problem in yeah. qualifying and would be sort of 14th, 15th or something, and Rubens would be right up there. Yeah. Um, and Jensen would be saying, you know, wasn't, couldn't get yeah, the balance, right. wasn't, happy, wasn't enough grip and everything else. And, and Barrichello's position would sort of inevitably make people think, well, Big, you know, car can't be that bad because look, you know, yeah. look where he is. Yeah. He, he, so Jensen, it's it's an oddity. It's an oddity about mm. Jensen, I think. And, and there have always been weekends like this when, he, he, for whatever reason, just doesn't really figure at all. Yeah. I mean, t talking about weekends not quite working for drivers, Vettel didn't have a great weekend at the. Nurburgring and well no. I say that yeah. he came fourth <laughs> that wasn't a, wasn't a bad result worst result but, of the year yeah worst result of the year I mean <laughs> yeah. it's not a bad yeah. tra track record but I mean <clears throat> we were talking before we sat down about you know drivers racing at their home Grand Prix there seemed to there seems to be just too much pressure on them or was it just one of the weekends that he he couldn't make it all work he just didn't really seem to be comfortable all weekend I mean you know, you know on on Friday he, he was he just couldn't get on with the car at all. Uh, it was better on Saturday, uh, but then on Sunday, you know, he wasn't. He was sort of thereabouts, but he never figured really. Uh, and it's strange because, um, you know, a couple of years ago, last time we were at the Nurburgring, um, which was actually also the weekend of, of Weber's first win, mm -hmm. uh, and that weekend too, uh, you know, Sebastian couldn't get near Mark in, in either qualifying or race. Which is it's so whether it's a quirk of the place that he he doesn't particularly get on with, but but I mean Vettel hasn't really shown any signs before of being good at this track and not good at that. Maybe maybe like many of us, he just had an off couple of days. Yeah, I mean, how much? I mean, it's possible. I mean, how because, yeah. because you have to be at the absolute pinnacle of your powers. Yeah, I mean, how much yeah. truth is there to? The fact you know a lot of people are saying now that he can qualify and pole really well and then disappear into the lead and he's great leading from the front, but put him in traffic, 
he has problems. And we, we've talked about this before, and I think in a week in motorsport, and we came to the agreement that he doesn't have a problem. He's, you know, that's just the way he's led most of his Grand Prix. But um, is, is that a problem, do you think? Well, he didn't look um, particularly convincing chasing Massa of the weekend, did he? I mean, you know, he passed him, but only in the pits. Um, so that you don't have a great list of uh, fantastic moves from Sebastian in terms of overtaking moves in, in mind when you, when you think back over his admittedly still very short career. I mean, <laughs> what he's achieved so far is incredible. Um, but he's um, he is a, a, a great driver at leading from the front. But having said that, his first win at Monza when he was at Toro Rosso mm-hmm. was a real fighting drive. I mean, I don't think... Um, uh, you know, we're, we're splitting hairs to look for weaknesses in him at the moment. <laughs> but um, it was it was certainly weird at the weekend to see him basically not turn up. But I'd imagine it'll be an aberration. I, I can't imagine uh, we're going to suddenly see him drop off the rest no. of the year. No, I, I, I must say I, I, I can't see that. But, sure. you know, I mean, people have... I mean, this suggestion that, oh, you know, yes, pole position, lead all the way, win ne- on to the next race... And people are sort of saying, yes, he can, he can do that, but sometimes, you know, if it's not as straightforward as that and he has to fight, it's, it doesn't work out so well. But, you know, when there were people who said that about, about, uh, about Clark, yes. believe it or not, and there were people who said yeah. it about Ascari. Yeah. Um, and in both cases, and maybe to a degree with Sebastian as well, you know, we suddenly think, well, they didn't actually get that much practice mm-hmm. at, you know, wheel-to-wheel stuff yeah. because normally they didn't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody bothered them. Well, it is, it's a factor of having the very best car as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Talking about um, the driver making a difference or not making a difference, um, there was a, uh, an email popped in my inbox on Sunday night where one of the team releases, and usually I don't p- tend to pay all that much attention, just look at the bare facts and move on. But this one was titled from directly from Jamie Alguasari. So it kind of got my attention, and I had a read of it, and it was quite a bizarre post-race uh, release. Where basically, he, f- he vented his frustration that he'd pounded round all day. He felt he'd got as much as he could from that car, as much as he could from himself, and he'd finished 12th. And his victory was keeping Paul de Resta yep. out of 12th position and finishing that position. And you know his his sort of uh, one of his his lines that he used was just goes to show this sport is about technology and money. Well, no surprise there. But there's all these stories of these drivers down the field yeah. who are giving their utmost, Absolutely. and for all we know, they could be you know fantastic performances. But you only see a yeah. little glimmer yeah. in the races, yeah, and you, you have to look closely. Well, um, I, you know, think back to Weber and, and Alonso in their Minardi days. Hmm. You know. I do remember once um, standing at the Monaco Grand Prix with Dennis Jenkinson and I was made some stupid comment about how slow the people at the back of the field were and he looked at me as if I was balmy and said, but they're all fantastically quick. You know, they're all absolutely exceptional. Yeah, yeah. And I've always remembered that. Um, I mean, when you look at what Karen Chantok had to, had to do last weekend... I mean, you know, I thought that he was out there at all and finished the race was was quite an achievement, really. Yeah. I think, I think with these with the drivers further down the field, what's important is the the important people see how they're performing. You know, if you're a team principal or a team yeah. boss and you're looking for different drivers, they know how well they're performing. And when I chatted to Bruno last year, um, I said, you know, I did ask him, do you think HRT has hurt you? 
in your career and you said no no I don't, I don't think so t- at all because it's not only as an experience that people who need to know can see all the data and can see how I'm performing in the car yeah it's a very so small little world for yeah. one so everyone's watching each other oh, yeah absolutely you, you can see mm. it can't you but uh, you know for instance we were just talking about you know uh, Minardi um, and I I remember, distinctly remember a moment um, on the Thursday at Monaco uh, during, just during a practice session and they were on board with Alonso um, and it was just, just a moment going through Casino Square and coming out of it, you know, the right-hander and mm-hmm. then plunging down the hill uh, and the, I mean it was not a great car no. <laughs> uh, but just his hand movements were extraordinary. I remember there were sort of six or eight or ten people immediately around, and we all went, "Jesus!" Yeah. like that at the same at the same moment. There was, and then somebody said, "This kid's a bit special, isn't he?" Turned out all right for him. And didn't turned it? out it turned out all right for him. So, uh, but you know, had we not had yeah, that moment, all right, we would have concluded, well, he's qualified pretty well in that yeah. thing, but. Um, Let's take, we'll just take a quick question from Alistair Warren um, and Alistair says um, what do we make of Paul DeResta's debut in Formula 1 well we have talked about this before but um, he, he sort of promises to deliver and he isn't quite doing it I think, he, I think he is delivering personally yeah, yeah. I would agree I he, he was unlucky to never he got tapped by Heidfeld yeah. in the first lap and that put him yeah. back but I don't think any of us are that surprised he's so good, are we? I mean, you know, no. we knew he... I mean, he comprehensively beat... Well, not comprehensively, but he beat Vettel yeah. in his um, F3 Euro series. Um, I didn't mean he wasn't quick. I meant it, it looks very exciting on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah, and somehow well. the races are not good. I, I, I mean, I'm watching at Silverstone uh, for the British Grand Prix, he um, was in a great place there to score a result and it was yeah. the team yeah, sure. and a pit stop that let him down otherwise he would have he would have been there so yeah. I, I think it's only a matter of time um, that he puts in a result this year and he will undoubtedly move on I'm sure to another yeah, team I'm sure you're right I mean some of his qualifying oh, yes. performances mm-hmm. have been, have been oh, remarkable fantastic. and I think the, the other thing is you know it, it's, it's, it's the way things are and it can't be helped and all the rest of it but the other thing is sometimes you know on Fridays yeah they put Hulkenberg yeah. in the car yeah. and it always seems a bit hard on a kid who's having, yeah. it's his first year in Formula 1 anyway and he loses yeah. Yeah, he's been, he's been but quite, that's, that, you know, that's the way it is yeah, he's been quite outspoken by that hasn't he especially yeah. since the Nürburgring yeah. quite mean, bravely so I'd say yeah. for well, a rookie well, driver I mean, but I mean yeah. and where was it the other Hulkenberg trashed the car didn't he at, yeah. um, mm. Valencia Valencia that's right yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, Hulkenberg's someone who should be you, you would think on merit would be on the grid anyway, but um, that's another another point. But um, I, I think Paul being able to come out and say what he said is uh, yeah. is, is is brave. Yeah. Um, hopefully not foolhardy, but I don't think it is. I think you know no. the team will respect him for yeah. saying what he thinks. Yeah. Um, here's a question for you, Nigel Robert. It comes from Simon Hurd. Simon says, looking at the modern Formula One car and all its gizmos, which of the old drivers do you think would be best suited to these cars? And, or who would have struggled? I, I, I mean, I am fundamentally of the belief that, um, I mean, we, we always say when we're trying to decide who's the greatest driver of all time, yeah. you can't compare eras, and you, and you can't. And the nature of the job does change. But I, personally, I believe that anybody, uh, anybody who qualifies as a great driver 
would be a great driver in, you know, in, in any era. Sure. You know, I mean, you, I know it's a long time ago, but you only have to adapt to, you don't have to look at, at Sterling yeah. and, and sort of, you know, there he was in the Van Wall winning Grand Prix and two years later he was yeah. winning Grand Prix in a Lotus 18. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, how different, you know. I suppose the point he's making uh, is uh, that... Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, I, in terms of the people who would have who would have liked these cars, um, I think probably any of the reasonably scientific... Louder, maybe? Probably. Probably. I don't think Senna would have liked them no, for a right. second. And, and I absolutely know Villeneuve wouldn't have liked them. And probably not Ronnie Peterson either. And not Ronnie Peterson either. <laughs> Um, but I mean, if you think about it, in many ways, the height of technology was '93. Because, active ride, yeah. Because we had that year it was uh, it was active ride. I mean, that year even ABS was mm. allowed that year. And, you know, Formula One cars with ABS brakes, for God's sake, <laughs> that was outlawed at the end of the year. But they they were, and so at that time it was probably it's, yeah. in many ways its technological peak. And if you remember, that was around that time that that Ayrton drove the uh, the Penske. Mm, I um, don't remember, but yeah, at, uh, it was the end of actually the end of '92. I think he drove, right. drove the Penske, didn't he? And, yeah. and and simply adored it because yeah. it was a clean and simple. A, and what he called, it, he said, it's it's a, it's a human's car. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the driver had to do it all. Yeah. Uh, well, so. Um, but one of the things that was said about Mansell was that with the active car, he was made for it because he had he had blind faith in the car <laughs> and would commit to it completely and, and got the most out of the 92 Williams FW14B. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wonder how someone who had that kind of uh, ballsy reputation like Mansell would, would, fear, would fare in, uh, in the current sport. Yeah, you know, having the, the yeah. guts to open the DRS just as you're coming out of a corner rather than when you're straight. You know, we've seen Vettel do it quite yeah, a few times this yeah, season and just yeah. no, having complete th- faith in the car to I think, I think an, yeah, an element of bravery is has always been quite important, more, more or less at certain times, but I still think you need to be... I, I, actually, just going back to what you were saying about Mansell and the active car, the other thing that, you know, it, I, he was enormously brave and he did have, he did have sort of blind faith that, you know, it might be difficult to believe, but it will stick. I'm just going to turn in and it'll <laughs> stick. But the other thing about him was, and Patrick had always said this, you know, big part of that also was biceps. Yeah. Mm. And he said, you know, that um, uh, in 91, the first half of the year, if you remember, they, when they were in just regular passive um, suspension, Patrese out-qualified Mansell the whole of the yeah. first, half, first half of yeah. the season. But the following year in the active car, you know, he just couldn't really get near him. And, and Patrick used to say, he, Ricardo physically isn't strong enough to hold yeah. that car on a line that Mansell can hold. They were certainly very different looking people physically. They were. Um, talking of drivers, um, we saw Karen Chantok in the Lotus at the Nürburgring and we're going to see Bruno Senna in the other Lotus in Hungary on the Friday. Um, what do we make of this? We've referred to it just now with Hulkenberg at Force India, this sort of chopping and changing. Presumably it's all about money, is it, guys? I think part of it's because there's no testing. It, yeah, that, um, that's it. I'm still slightly of the belief that I think, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I know Grand Prix weekends are always very busy as they are, but surely if you've got cars at these circuits, maybe four weekends a year, 
you take along a reserve driver or you take along your third driver and you're, they are allowed to drive the car for an hour session on Thursday or something like that. So they do get mileage. Hmm. And all the teams are already there. You know, the, I, what I think about the Fridays um, is that the tyre allocation for the weekend shouldn't count for Fridays. They should be f- completely free on tyre allocation. That's a good idea. I mean, I noticed at Silverstone on the Friday, I felt really sorry for the spectators. I mean, it was hit by yeah. bad weather. So that, that meant the teams just basically didn't run. Um, but you, you pay a lot of money to go to a, a Grand Prix mm. circuit. You mm. don't see any running during the day or hardly any running. Mm, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's poor yeah, It's show. disappointing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I know that costs have to come into consideration for all the teams in Formula 1 these days, but surely, um, and basically making Friday more or less an open test day within allocated sessions would give young drivers a chance to show what they can do and it would free the teams to actually um, experiment a bit more with setups and what yeah. have you and... Um, so on the subject of drivers, just for a moment more, um, Nigel, do you think that um, Mark Webber will stay with Red Bull? Or do yes, you think you yes, do? Yes, yes, I do. Does everybody else? Think? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we, we were talking about this earlier before we came on air. I mean, we're not going to see any dramatic changes in the top no, next year, are we? No, I, 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 I think, think remarkably few. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, a... a Possibility people have been saying for a long, long time was Massa, hmm. um, and you know I know Ferrari have spoken to Jensen, and I know yeah. they've spoken to Nico, right? Um, but I sort of get the impression that fundamentally, what they're what they're hoping for, what they're what they're praying for, is that um, Kubica will be all right. Ah. Well, because we I'm don't. Not talking, I don't think I'm talking about 2012. I'm not. Right. But but down the road, if he if he recovers, a hundred percent, you're near enough. Kubica is is the. But guy is he going to want to drive as a number two to Alonso? Because by, you know he'd, Alonso would have been with the I, team I, for how many years by then? I don't think in his head Robert would ever think of himself as number two to anybody. Um, but it's a good point you make. I mean, it's it's difficult to know how it would work. They are very close friends, Fernando and uh, and uh, and Robert. Um, but you know, it doesn't always make a lot of difference when you teammates in Formula One. I don't think there's, a, there's not a premium on friendship. No, no, no. It's no. a good way to become not good friends to be teammates. It, it, yes, it is. It's <laughs> true. Yes, but I think it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to see. Kubica go in there because there's a different uh, Ferrari these days the one we got used to under Jean Todd and the Marcus Schumacher years um, you get the impression that they would be given equal equipment and allowed yes, to go for yes, it yes yes I, I think I think that I think so, that um, I think uh, in fact it, 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 it's it's, uh, it's nothing to do with it actually it just, it's just in passing it just occurs to me uh, I, at the weekend I noticed um, Martin Whitmarsh and and Domenicali just sort of fooling around and laughing, mm. uh, and, and and I just thought how 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 times have changed, mm. <laughs> how different this is from yes. the Jean Ron Dennis. Yes. Do you know what? I had era. exactly the same thought when I saw it on the TV. Yeah, oh, yeah? I kind of sat forward and thought, hello, yeah, yeah. hello, are yeah. we ganging up on Red Bull here, or are we suddenly best there's, mates? There's no, no, I think I mean I think they you know they genuinely do get along. I mean yeah. you know. Stefano really is a very, well, very yeah. human face oh, of Ferrari. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, Never he's, more so. He's I a just... lovely, lovely bloke. Yeah. 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 
Nigel, in the, in the paddock at Nürburgring, I was just wondering, was there any talk about Schumacher at all in terms of his future? Uh, no, not particularly. Um, what actually amazed me was that um, uh, driving into the circuit every day, you know, with the, with the spectators, with their, with their banners and their, their steins of beer at quarter to eight in the morning. And <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> On race morning, when I drove in, it was driz- it was misty and it was drizzling. Uh, well, it's the Nurburgring, isn't it? Yeah. Well, sometimes it's hot as hell at the Nurburgring. Uh, and these Germans, I, I mean, I did even see a couple of people in lederhosen, which... <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I hope so. I hadn't Fantastic. anticipated in 2011, but um, well, but anyway, drinking drinking beer and waving their banners. But what struck me was there were certainly where I was looking, there were a lot more Schumacher banners than there were Vettel banners. And yes, that, and that really surprised me. It's interesting. Me. No, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, yeah, I mean, it's touchy in a way. Yeah, but I mean, talk about you know, get real. Well, they do love but, it, though, don't but they? But I mean, they really do. He's yeah. a folk hero in Germany. Uh, that, isn't he, that, that, that is the phrase. But he, um, he came off the track in Friday practice, and as he was going through the gravel, he actually waved to the crowd, yes. you know, which I thought was just brilliant. Yes, yeah. I liked that. That was my other one of my other favourite <laughs> moments. Not, not something he would ever have done when he was no a factor. No, no. Um, well, those tantalising glimpses of oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he's still and and, and, and Nicky made a very good point about him when, when I interviewed Nicky I mean Nicky fundamentally thinks he's got to stop yeah but he said what he said what the, his problem is he said it's the, the ground speed he doesn't have the ground speed anymore and there's no getting away from it he said the racing ego is still hmm. well yeah. alive yeah and he cited you know for instance the that incredibly neat pass of Lewis hmm. into the hairpin a Monica on the opening lap hmm. yeah. so all that sort of Instinct is still there, but you know it's just not the, well, just Nick, the Nicky basic sh- pace. Nicky should know because he didn't have the basic pace no, in '84, did he? And still won a world title. That's so. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nicky Lauder using an airline phrase there as well. Ground speed. Yeah. <laughs> Ground speed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just a couple of qu- a couple more quick questions. Uh, this one is um, is Xavier, all the way from Denver, Colorado. Great place, by the way. Um, and he is, in short, he's saying, is it time for Trulli, Jano Trulli, to quit? Damien. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, difficult to judge uh, when you're 
in a, in a, in a Lotus when he's someone who's been in good cars in the past and has found himself at the back of, yeah. the, back of the grid and he's been complaining all year about the steering being a problem for him um, I've always I've actually really enjoyed watching Trulli in his younger years and there was no doubt he was a great top driver but I, I, personally I think he's been treading water for a long time I think any team that employs Jano Trulli uh, okay they're buying lots of experience um, but yeah. I never get the impression he, you know, he really wants it it's, it's, it's a way of life for him. I mean, yeah, and something else that I've noticed, I mean, with Kovalainen this year, he has driven the wheels off that car at every single race they've been to. And, you know, he's got a lot of experience now. It's not like he's a, he's a rookie anymore. I mean, you've got so many people sitting in the wings, you know, like Hulkenberg and, and people like that who I think deserve a seat. Yeah. You know, I think it is time that you've, you've got to look to fresher talent. We, you know, we saw with Cyber when they signed Perez and Kobayashi, you know, some of us did think, well, that's a... You know, there's not much experience in that team. I think they might struggle, but actually, they've they've been very good. That mm. pair, great but, to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they have Nigel. But they have got a much better car. Yeah, no, truly, yeah, Nigel. Uh, I I probably I probably agree with uh, with Damien, I, and I'm very sad to say it because uh, you know there isn't a, a there isn't a nicer bloke in the paddock, mm. uh, and B, uh, you know, I think Yano at his best. So, so I'm an over one lap qualifying lap. I'm, I don't believe I've ever seen anybody quicker. Yeah. You know, seriously. Yeah. He's he's better than his one Grand Prix victory, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, Definitely. yeah, yeah. For and sure. he produces sure. very good red wine from his vineyard. <laughs> he does produce extremely good red wine. Yeah. I mean, if I could and, do and he, one or the other, I'd be uh, chuffed. And, he, and he's remarkably generous with it. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I like this one. It comes from Russia, and uh, it comes from David Ryder. And actually, he, 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 he says that our podcasts keep him smiling in Russia, so I hope he's not doing anything too depressing out there. And it, but it's quite a good question. Um, it, 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 what he's saying is, if we went back to having some testing, maybe not as much as we used to have, but some testing, would it not improve Grand Prix racing? And we did touch on this earlier, didn't we? I mean, forgetting about the money for a moment, do we think, Nigel, that actually a few days testing, maybe in mid-season, would be, would be good for the sport. Yeah, I can, see, I can see the sense of having a mid-season session, you know, just one. But I mean, I, 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 would, I would absolutely hate to see testing as anything like as, as Why? it was. Why? Come back, well, apart from anything else, it was just, I mean, just literally throwing money on the fire. Mm which when those days are gone mm. um, and also I think it um, uh, I think it would take away a lot of the sort of we've sort of got relatively accustomed to uh, you know unpredictability yeah. haven't we alright we can say yeah. Red Bull McLaren Ferrari yeah. you know they're yeah. the big three and they are the big three um, but what we were talking about earlier on about you know how McLaren can be struggling one weekend and, and right there the next. Um, but there is, you know, there is this element of mystery when, when you arrive at a Grand Prix. Well, who's got what new this weekend and will it work? Nigel, um, do you remember in the 90s and the early 2000s that some of the European Grand Prix, you'd have a, a three-day test at, at, that, that, at circuit. that circuit yeah, yeah. in, yeah. in that yeah. week. Yeah, absolutely. And we were surprised when you'd get to Saturday and they'd qualify in the order they'd tested yeah. Yeah. and then race in the order they qualified. Yeah, and that, right. was, yeah. that was it. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't right. go back to that. No. Um, no, absolutely not. No, I mean, they, you know, I mean, that was 
fundamentally that was the Schumacher Ferrari mm. era, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Mr. Foster, what do you think about this? Yeah, I'm in agreement. I, I think the uh, the unpredictability is exciting, and it's not often I pay you a compliment, Rob. But I was watching the Week in Motorsport again the other day, and uh, <laughs> you said after <laughs> you said after Silverstone, this you said uh, McLaren may have been off the pace a bit this weekend, but I guarantee you they'll be right there yeah. to Nurburgring. Yeah, well, Which, uh, well, I think Nigel has also said something similar today, actually, and I think Nigel and I both agree that you know these teams, these three teams, ha- are full of such clever people, and they have so much money, and so much, so many resources that they they're never going to be down for long. That's my view. I mean, no. anything could happen in Hungary, in my view, and I still think Alonso might win the world championship. I know nobody asked us fine, but you know, I, 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 I mean, I think you'd have to say it's it's pretty unlikely. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, anybody unlikely. will catch. It's unlikely. Battle. I agree. But, I agree. Um, but no, I mean, in fact, what what McLaren and Ferrari have to do is um, start well. Yes. You know, the last two years have been, yes. have been the same thing. Yes. Uh, that's I right. mean, nothing has got near a Red Bull until about half season. No, that's right. That's um, right. And they do claw it back, but they, but they, but they, they both the last two years have started, mm. you know, mm. a long way back. Well, what is what is fun and exciting is that you know when we come to Hungary this coming weekend, it could all be completely different again, which is, yeah. <coughs> it, it's great. Um, I've got a, a bit of an announcement to make uh, at this midway point, and it concerns another of our readers' evenings. These evenings are exclusive to our readers. Uh, we had one recently uh, for the showing of the documentary about uh, Ayat and Senna. And this one will be at the Audi Quattro Rooms in West London, where we will be showing the film Truth in 24, which documents the success of the Audi Le Mans team in 2008. And this film has never been seen in the UK before. And we will have some pretty special guests as well. We'll have drivers Tom Christensen, Alan McNish, and the Audi engineer Howden Haynes. So this is on Saturday, October the 8th, and the full details of the evening will be on our website very soon. But if you want to make a note of that date, it's Saturday, October the 8th, at the Audi Quattro Rooms in West London, uh, with Tom Christensen and, and Alan McNish. Damien, another another great night, I reckon. Yeah, this film is quite special, actually. I, I only discovered it, Nigel and I discovered it this year, beginning of this year, when we were talking to Audi UK's press man Martin Pass and he was telling us about it and McNish mentioned it a couple of times when I was at Sebring as well and I must admit first time around it passed me by because basically it was made for the American market and it was really a corporate video made for Audi but it's not corporate in the way it it appears Um, I was really blown away by it when I saw it and actually it's made a bigger impression on me than the Senna documentary Mm. which I thought was very good but this, this one follows the team through 2008 and particularly on, on the, the Le Mans weekend but also in the previous race at Monza as well and the build up to, uh, to Le Mans and it really shows a, how a team works from inside and it's a fascinating insight into uh, sports car racing uh, modern motor racing and specifically Le Mans and um, along with the, the two uh, great drivers we've got coming to the, the evening we've also got the, um, the the British engineer who's known as H yeah. who's <laughs> McNish's uh, engineer and the story focuses on him quite a lot towards the end of the film and it's just absolutely mesmerising and although it's a couple of years old now 2008 you know, a few years ago it doesn't matter this is a good film 
I wouldn't no, say. I mean, it's wonderful. And in fact, the, the um, um, Christensen and, and McNish say about the movie, they, they, they say things in the movie, because it's very much fly on the wall, a lot of it. They say things, and they have no memory of having, yeah. of having had that conversation. <laughs> It was all sort of Sounds stuff. Like lots just, of racing drivers, isn't it? Well, that's true. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. the, the, cam, the camera concluded that great thing of blending into the background yeah, yeah, and not yeah. being noticed. Yeah. No, no, that's Which right. They, they, and particularly the ending with H. Yeah, I won't say any more than that. Well, no, I mean, the thing is, it's just a great, great film. And the other thing about it is that Audi do do things so well, don't they? I mean, there mm. are other German cars available. Maybe I should say that. Yeah. But, yeah. That you know, Audi really do things well when they do them. They do, but the interesting thing with this, as I said before, is you know, you I kind of expected it to be a, a corporate and very, very you know, politically correct and all the rest of it. It's not at all. And no, no. I think if they put this out for general release in the UK, mm. it would change the perception of Audi completely yeah, for, for the better as well. You know, I, I, it's, actually, I don't understand why they've never sold it. You know, no. as, as, a, as a DVD, it's a, it's a great, yeah. great film. Yeah. Okay, actually, it's a good time to talk about the World Endurance Championship, actually, because apparently we're going to get Jaguar, Toyota, Peugeot, Porsche and Audi all racing head-to-head in the years to come. This is a pretty exciting thought, Ed. Yes, great. I mean, you know, we've heard these rumours brewing for a while about, you know, people looking at hybrid cars and getting into the LMP1 category again, but, you know, only recently have, have they all been confirmed. Um, and you know the Peugeot ID years have been great. That you know they've been been amazing battles. You know we saw this year at Le Mans. Yeah. Was, you know you couldn't get any better. Um, but having more manufacturers in the LMP1 category is. I mean it's got to be good news for everyone. Surely. It's fantastic news. I mean um, my good friend Gary Watkins, who writes a lot of our sports car stuff. He's been reporting on sports cars for 25 years and he's been waiting for a world championship. <laughs> and he, he says all his Christmases have come at once mm. because you've got manufacturers coming back to Le Mans. Le Mans, part of a yeah. Pucker world championship. Uh, the, the Jaguar thing is interesting um, because this, the story we have is that basically in principle a programme has been agreed. It's yet to be decided on details but it looks like they're heading back. We know Toyota are testing um, a dome-built mm hybrid so uh, they're on the verge uh, there's no suggestion that because Porsche have come back Audi are going to pull out it looks like despite being part of the VW group they're both going to be able to go head to head which emphatically wasn't the case during the Bentley era uh, in 2003 isn't the only stipulation that the, 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 the Porsche may not be a, a diesel I think that's I, right I, yeah. what, from my understanding it's been sanctioned as long as yeah. Audi do it one way and Porsche mm. do it the other way. That's, that's correct, I yeah. think. And, and also, it wouldn't suit Porsche to go with a diesel anyway. They've no. been testing their, their hybrid technology, particularly on that, that 911 that's been uh, at the Nürburgring yeah. for the last two years uh, and has been quite successful. I think the way they're going to go is that it'll be some sort of hybrid um, petrol, petrol yes. uh, car. All we need is Matra and Ferrari then, isn't it, Nigel? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> to complete the set. Uh, and Alfa Romeo, maybe. And Alfa Romeo. We didn't actually mention that Aston, I think, obviously, will, will be I there as well. But uh, I didn't mention Aston Martin. No, sorry, I, I apologise for that. Right. It, okay. But anyway, this is, this is fantastic news, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, really good sports car racing is fantastic. Um, can we, can we, we start to wonder, actually, with as many teams as that, could we begin, perhaps, possibly, to see a slight, slight overlap between Formula One and sports cars again? Maybe. What, what could you mean? Just, just a thought that... Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, there are, there are going to be a lot of teams. They're going to need a lot of drivers. Yeah. Yeah, Presumably, they'll be have a, quite a lot of money available. Yeah. 
and I wonder if they're, where they'll go looking. Yeah, wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really would, wouldn't it? The, the, the landscape is shifting. I think quite a lot at the moment. Yes, do, we, do, we, do we have to thank Jean Todt for any of this? I, I suspect we do, don't I we? I certainly think, you know, uh, for the return of the World Sports Car Championship. Yeah. yeah, deeply impressed with that. I think there's some things that we're not impressed with, Todd, but that, that I think, um, he's been very, I think he's been very clear from the start that that was one of his aims, was to bring it yeah. back. And, you know, when yeah. I was at Sebring at the beginning of the year, they were, the, the teams were talking about this being a three or four year process with this intercontinental Le Mans Cup, which is really difficult to say. And um, it would take time for the World Championship to be born. And to be fair to Todd, he's got the ACO together right. with the FIA yeah. and they've sorted it out. And it's for next year. It's yeah, brilliant. I mean, I, I think the thing is, Todd is fundament, fun, Todd fundamentally likes, loves sports car racing. Yeah. Uh, and there was never any sign of any enthusiasm from the previous Yeah, it seems amazing that it's taken this long, <coughs> you know, I mean, as you're saying with Gary, 25 years and we haven't had a proper championship. No. Yeah, well, sports car racing's always been so uh, up and down in terms of the way it works and manufacturers would come and go so quick, so quickly. And, you know, I remember 1999 being one of, one of the classic years in terms of manufacturer interest. And then they all pulled out, and they basically left it to Audi for for uh, the best part of a decade you know, until Peugeot came in to really challenge them. Um, and okay, you had Bentley, but that was because Audi pushed aside to, to allow yeah. Bentley to do it. Yeah. So this is a different story. Another another piece of news that is intriguing for motorsport readers because it has history is the Williams announcement that they're going to have Renault engines, and I think. Some of us are quite excited about this. Well, especially those of us who don't want to see Williams slide any further than they have. So it's good news, Nigel, yes? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is uh, it very is strong engine. Yeah, it will be. I'm sure it will be. No, 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 very strong engine. You know, and it was, it was a very strong alliance, you know, all those years in the past. Um, I mean, they were different days. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Williams in those days was, you know, had a... A sizable, very sizable budget, yes, yeah. uh, and you know, absolutely top drivers and, and everything else. And those days, for now anyway, are you know, yeah, gone. But but if you want to have a, a turbo engine, Renault would be a pretty strong choice, I'd have thought. If they build one, I mean, they're not confirmed for twenty fourteen. No, yet. I mean, I'm, I think they will. I, I'd, mm. be, I'd be amazed if they didn't. Yeah, yeah, I would be amazed if they didn't. But I mean, talking about Williams and money and sponsorship and budgets and everything and drivers, I mean, Maldonado has brought a very, very large sum of money to Williams. And actually, he's been pretty quick on a few occasions this year, hasn't he? More than a few. He he has. I mean, quite impressed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maldonado. I mean, yeah, he's a... Uh, a GP2 champion he's yeah. no, no slouch but no, we, no, we no. did wonder whether because he'd been around a long time in GP2 and we did wonder if maybe you know he was going to be a make weight in Formula 1 but I think you have to take your hat off to him he's um, yeah. I think he's there on merit now in terms of his, his, his performances yeah he's, he's had some impressive we, um, particularly Monaco he was really impressive he was Monaco, yeah. and you yeah. consider how still highly rated Rubens Barrichello is within, yes, yes. certainly within Williams yeah and to, 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 to match and out qualify Rubens yeah. is um, there's no mean feat. Well, no, it's true. Okay. Um, we have this great column in, in Motorsport magazine by Matt Oxley uh, about motor racing on two wheels. And I, I'd like to not let this podcast pass without comment on MotoGP. Because, pers- I mean, I've, I watched the last two races. I was incredibly excited by them, i got to say. And 
it's to me uh, the Casey Stoner thing is a bit like Sebastian Vettel I mean the guy is just nailing everybody uh, what do we think is going to happen as the year goes on it's very tight at the top between him and Lorenzo and Pedroza Damien um, I think Stoner will win the world championship this year um, I think Nigel and I were talking about this before he's, he's quite a hard man to like Casey Stoner yes he is he's um, a chippy and you know, he and Lorenzo what a, what a show at Laguna Seca and what a a pass for the lead it was just <laughs> incredible and you really got a sense of speed yeah, at Laguna around, around there but, um, and um, huge respect to them both you know, Lorenzo having that awful crash in, in practice yeah. as well mm-hmm. um, but there's no doubt they don't have the character of Valentino Rossi he's a harder mm-hmm. act to follow in terms of um, uh, personality and yeah. I think that's that's the only thing that's missing from MotoGP this year is that Rossi isn't a factor yeah. for, for the title yeah, apart from that I, I, it's pretty I good. agree um, that's very much missing for me yes, it, so it's not if he'd retired he'd be fine he would have retired right. um, and if he simply you know didn't have it anymore or wasn't what he was mm. like Michael mm. for instance that would be something too but, but you just have the feeling that here he is and he is Valentino Rossi and mm. he's sort of what is interesting struggling to you know finish eighth yeah, yeah I mean Matt Oxley was, was saying that uh, Valentino's command actually said that Ducati needs a whole shift in its mentality of designing and building a bike and whether they're going to agree to that or not is remains to be seen but without that it's it's they aren't going to get near the front because apparently at the moment obviously they build very very stiff bikes mm. yep. and the way they they're designed they're very hard to adjust they're very hard to set up and once mm. they're built that's how they are whereas mm. honda and yamaha go down a much more conventional route and well look where they are mm. you know they're leading the world mm. championship mm. Um, yeah. and then valentino said that this has got to happen because if it doesn't we aren't going to be up at the top again. No, and if they won't listen to him, I was going well, to say, yeah. if I owned Ducati and Valentino said that to me, well, I think yeah. I'd just get on with it. Yeah, right? yeah, yes. I thought I find it very interesting as a Grand Prix racing fan to watch the top level of bike racing. I must say, there's, I think there's quite a few things to learn from each one to the other, and uh, it's kind of in the detail, isn't it? Like Formula One in a way, mm. which is why the greatest motorcycle racer in the world is way off the pace struggling yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. and one of the things that occurred to me on Sunday night watching the Laguna race on telly was um, Ed you've written a piece about the Isle of Man in, in the new issue of the magazine which is a totally different challenge yeah. and as uh, your piece clearly shows there are a bunch of nutcases who, who, who go over there and, and race on the mountain um, uh, but the thing about Grand Prix racing is it's the purity of the challenge is just so specific and those riders, um, they, they probably wouldn't uh, dream of going anywhere near the mountain on one hand. No. But the guys who are racing at the Isle of Man wouldn't get near the likes of no. Lorenzo. Well, I mean, Guy Martin, you know, the, you know, who's shot to fame after the film mm-hmm. um, and his own series of building a canal boat. He, he said, you know, he sometimes... <laughs> I know, to, I, <laughs> so, I, there are a lot of quotes from him I could go through. But he did say that he, he did some circuit racing, but he said it just bored me to death. Mm. He's like, it's so boring. I get no enjoyment from it. He said, I prefer to be at work. He's a lorry mechanic full time. Yeah. And he said, I just, just don't enjoy it. And the Isle of Man TT is just, he said, it, it's, it's the ultimate buzz. And he said, that's why he does it. He loves the buzz. Yeah, yeah. You it, know, it, it reminds me a little bit of the 
difference between uh, rallying and Formula One in the sense that the rally drivers are, are just as naturally gifted as the uh, the circuit racers um, but they would be out of sorts around a race circuit mm-hmm. and likewise the, the the circuit boys would be out of sorts around mm-hmm. a, on a gravel stage mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. I think it's similar mm-hmm. with the Isle of Man and but yeah because with the Isle of Man uh, John McGuinness said that you know a lot of speed around here is from mm-hmm. track knowledge and he said, you know, it, it's having the inside knowledge and the experience. It's a bit like the Nürburgring, the yeah. old Nürburgring. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it, yeah. and it's, but the, the Isle of Man TT course is 37.7 yeah. miles long. Yeah. And he said, you can get different conditions, not just from lap to lap, but corner to corner, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing with tram lines, bridges, yeah. you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But he said, then there's actually quite a big part of, of bulls as well. You're not going to learn that in eight laps, that's for sure. And it's, you know, it's being knowing to just turn the bike in at 140, knowing there's a lamppost coming up that you need to lift your head for as you're cranked over and just keep the throttle welded open. Well, as our editor said, they're mad. Yeah, they are completely unhinged. Okay, Uh, before we go, we, we, uh, well, we cannot go without mentioning Bill Body. Um, Damien, I know that in the magazine, next magazine, which comes out any minute now, actually, any day now, um, as a um, lovely tribute to Bill. Yes, um, Bill passed away on uh, July the 7th, and it's incredible, really. A 98 year old man, you don't expect to feel any element of shock. Um, but we did, because um, Bill had been, you know, he is so much part of the magazine and its history. Um, you know, he was an editor of the magazine from 1937 until 1991. <laughs> It's incredible. I mean, I've, I've got another 51 and a half years before I can match his record as editor. It's incredible. I, I, I might have left by then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, he, you know, he, in, in recent years, his input into the magazine has been simply the pages that he wrote and sent in um, without fail every month. Um, but the magazine will be lesser without him. There's no, there's no uh, escaping that. We can't replace Bill Body. Um, there was never anyone like him when he was alive. There's certainly no one like him uh, now, and um, we're going to miss him terribly, really. I think a lot of the readers will miss him as well. So what we've done for the new issue is uh, Gordon Cruikshank, uh, the deputy editor who worked with Bill closely for 30 years at the magazine, um, has written, I think, a fantastic tribute. Uh, there's been other tributes in the national press, uh, the Times, the Telegraph, and the Independent all run decent obituaries on Bill yeah. but the uh, I think Gordon's one in our magazine I would say this but I think it's the definitive one and um, if you don't know much about Bill please do read it I think you'll learn a lot about the man he was and how motorsport came to be what it is today and we all owe our jobs to him really in the sense that he kept the magazine going through some hard times and he made it along with Dennis Jenkinson the two of them together as a partnership made the magazine what it is today really two very special people i'd say yeah okay. yeah yeah and two 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 great eccentrics yes but yes yeah absolutely yeah okay Put their own stamp on it good um just as a sort of parting shot to you uh, as we have in our magazine of course um andy gearing you ask us you call us the panel anyway you ask us uh, if we think that uh, Bernie Ecclestone is right that noise is important in Formula One. Well, I can tell you exactly what we all think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There you go. Yes. A resounding yes. Yes. It's to anybody but Max. It's yes. 
<laughs> Bleeding obvious. Okay, well, nobody need ask this question ever again, okay? No. Because everybody on Motorsport magazine, of course, we think noise is important. It was slightly my fault, because I said in the magazine a few issues ago, let us know what you think about Ulrich Boretsky saying noise doesn't matter anymore. And oh yeah, I did. I did not invite just letters, letters. Max. Forgive me, I've yeah, forgotten. That's right. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. actually, Mr. Boretsky is very convincing. He has a rather convincing argument. He's he's he, a great guy, and he's got a great argument. But essentially, on this his point, he's wrong. Is that he's, 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 <laughs> he's annoyed his energy wasted, isn't he? Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 Instead of pushing the car along, it's just escaping into the. Uh, well, I do hope we're not wasting sky. energy today here in London. Uh, right, that's just about it, I think. Um, let, me, do, let remi me remind you about our next um, exclusive Reader's Night, Saturday, October the 8th, at the Audi Quattro Rooms in West London. The details of that will be up on our website very soon. So if you uh, live in Britain, uh, I highly recommend you come and watch that film. So um, thank you very much to Alan Hyde, who's patiently been uh, controlling our voices today. Thank you, Alan. We'll be back in about a month's time uh, with a very special guest, uh, Murray Walker. Murray Walker will be with us on the Motorsport uh, podcast on August the... 24th. August the 24th. So it'll be online August 25th. So on August the 24th, none of us will get a word in edgeways, I imagine. No. No, you can do all the talking. That'll be fine. And we're gonna, we weren't going to actually turn up. It was just you and... <laughs> And Murray. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, right, okay. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, see you in about a month with Murray Walker. Uh, it's a goodbye from me, goodbye from Nigel Roebuck, Ed Foster, and of course our editor, Damien Smith. Bye bye. Motorsport Magazine for the very best in motor racing.